we want to talk to you about some awesome things this morning that God is doing. And we are starting a brand new series, which we're really thrilled about. So I want to tell you a story about a 17-year-old that went through a particularly hard time in life. Anybody here know about hard times? Anyone here going through a hard time? Here's the deal. We are either going into a hard time, we're either in a hard time, or we're coming out of a hard time. Let's be honest, right? Well, this 17-year-old happened to take a dive in the Chesapeake Bay They misjudged the depth of the water, and they ended up fracturing their fourth and fifth vertebrae and became a quadriplegic. They were paralyzed from the shoulders down. This 17-year-old spent two years in rehab, struggled with intense doubts about God, with suicidal thoughts, deep, deep depression. But the 17-year-old, she continued on in occupational therapy, and she started figuring out that she could actually paint with a brush in her mouth and paint these incredible, amazing, beautiful paintings. And as time went on, this this person continued to, to glorify God in the midst of their struggle and actually ended up writing several different books that you may be familiar with. This person helped introduce the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was a huge monumental thing for those with disabilities in our nation. This person helped establish the Wheels Across the World program, helping refurbish wheelchairs and send them out to places all over the world using inmates here in our country. Incredible program. This person, through their struggle, through their strife, would go on to impact the world time and time again. This person is none other than Johnny Erickson Tata. You can see there what she's done, and she would go on to say these words. He has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer his embrace. The greatest good suffering can do for me is to increase my capacity for God. Real satisfaction comes not in understanding God's motives, but in understanding his character, in trusting his promises, and in leaning on him and resting in him as the sovereign who knows what he's doing and does what? All things well. We all go through hard times in life. What do we do with them. In our world today, we know when you look at the headlines, Turkey and Syria, you're going through the earthquakes and losing somewhere around 50,000 people. I believe the count is up to around right now. We're coming out a year going on with this war in Ukraine, all kinds of things going on in our world. In our country, there was a, a survey that's done, I guess, every year, and it's called the Stress in America Survey. And they found out that 27% of adults say that most days they are so stressed they can't function. For those 44 years old and under, that number rose to 45%. People are going through hard times. Now, you may not have taken a dive in the Chesapeake Bay and be a quadriplegic, but you are going through hard times 
times. And the question that we want to ask ourselves today is this. How do we respond when life is hard? How do we respond when life knocks us down? The circumstances of life, the challenges, the issues, the problems. And here is why we cannot tune out this morning as we open up God's word. Because he has something to say to you in the midst of whatever you are going through. How do we respond when life is hard? And our main point this morning is, is this. God wants to use the hard stuff in your life. God wants to use the challenges, the struggles, the hard stuff in your life. And so with that, we are going to kick off this series that we're so excited about as we look at the book of James and we see what God's word has to tell us about this. How do I handle the hard stuff in life. So before we go any further, as we continue our time, would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for all you are doing here in our church body. Thank you, God, for each person that you've brought in here. Thank you for my friends here. And God, you know what each one of them is going through. You know the challenges. You know the great things that are going on. You know the hard things that are going on. And Jesus, you want to continue to meet with each person in this room today. So Lord, would you help us at 10 o'clock when we leave this room to just walk out, continue to be a little more in love with you, a little closer to you, and just a little more ready to continue this life from wherever we are to where you want us to be. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. So we are in the book of James. Feel free. We're going to have it on the slides, of course. Feel free to open your Bible as well, too, to the book of James towards the end of your New Testament, after the book of Hebrews. And, you know, you're going to, if you get to Revelation, you've definitely gone too far. Which, by the way, who was at Revelation last week? How awesome was that? Incredible. Great getting to read God's word together as a church family. That was just amazing. So as we get to the book of James, a little bit of background as you're flipping there. So James is the brother of Jesus. Jesus' brother wrote this book, which is so cool to think about. Can you imagine being Jesus' brother? Boy, talk about, you know, living in a big shadow there, right? But James, here's the deal. In Jesus' life, James really didn't believe Jesus. None of Jesus' brothers did, in fact. We see that in the Gospel of John. And in some form or another, it looks like they ridiculed him, they made fun of him, and yet somehow James went from that to what we're about to read this morning. One of the million reasons why we gotta go, this, this stuff, there's something, there's something real and true about this. That God would take this guy who didn't believe his brother and would go on to be this incredible church leader and write this incredible book that's all about Jesus Christ. It's amazing. James, there's so many good pearls and nuggets of wisdom in this. This is kind of called the Proverbs of the New Testament um, by some because there's just so much good stuff. So if you come here today and you come into the series and you're like, hey, just tell me what to do, God, and I'll do it. Well, you've come to the right place because James is chock full of them. 
For every two verses, there is a one imperative, meaning do this, this command. And it's just how do we live out our faith? And here's something we want to do, too. I want to encourage you to do this. If you go to this next slide, so over the course of this series, we want to make James super applicable and accessible to you, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. So this is one of those times where you can actually take out your cell phone, okay? And I won't glare at you for it. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't glare at you anyway. But, but if you text this number, if you text James... Not James, our incredible guy who is the captain of our ship of youth ministry, which James does an amazing job. Great job, James. But text the name James to 928-228-4301. We will send you every weekday a passage from the book of James. And it's just a chance for you to continue to chew on this incredible book and continue to think on it a little bit more and a little bit more. And so every day we will send you a text from the previous week and you'll be able to just think on it, meditate on it. So feel free to right now text James to 928-228-4301. And again, you'll get to chew on the, the text a little bit more on your own time. So as we continue going on the background, we'll leave that slide up too and give you a chance if you want to do that. Um, but continue on with the background. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this somewhere in the, the mid-40s, we're thinking. So this is like probably one of the first New Testament books. Jesus has, has died on the cross, rose from the grave, you know, somewhere in the 33 AD time frame. So we're now we're in the middle 40s. And James writes this to Jewish believers of the dispersion. So these are persecuted Jews who were cast out of Jerusalem, followers of Jesus, persecuted, and they're all out in the midst of the diaspora. So they've been pushed out. So they're going through hard times. They're going through struggles. They're going through issues and problems. And James is here to write them and meet them where they are at and say, here's how you can continue to live out your faith. So now let's dig into this text as we ask ourselves, how do we respond when life is hard. How do we respond when life is hard? Point number one, see the big picture. See the big picture. Zoom out and see all that God is doing in the midst of your hard times. So James is going to start off his text this way. He says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James refers to himself as a servant. The little brother of Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm the brother of Jesus, I'm a big deal. He says, I'm a servant, which is what we all get to say about our relationship with Jesus. I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So it's Jewish believers who have been pushed out due to persecution. Greetings. And then we get into our point with seeing this big picture. He says this, count it all joy or count it pure joy when you meet trials and tribulations. Count it pure joy. Why on earth would James say to count it pure joy when you're going through this hard time, this struggle, this issue? Is it just because you should be happy because I'm going through a hard time? Woohoo! That's kind of weird, right? But we get into the reason why you can count it pure joy in the next verse, starting at verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces, what's that next word? 
perseverance, the ability to keep going on when times are hard, the ability to keep going and not give up. It almost creates this idea, this perseverance, like when you're a runner and as you're running and you want to give up, you want to stop, you want to slow down, but perseverance helps you keep on going, keep on pushing. Your hard times, your struggles that you are going through are helping you build that endurance, lifting those weights, running that race, building that stanima. Stanima produces perseverance. You guys caught that? Oh, man. Let perseverance finish its work. Let it have its full effect. I love that word, let. That's super important. So there's no guarantee when you go through a hard time that it's going to be used for all this great good that God wants. Let. This means that you and I, we partner with God in this process and in this journey. How do you let perseverance have its full effect? What do you think? Spend time with God and his word and in prayer. Spend time in community with others. Spend time in a, in a group. Serve. Continue to be about God as you run the race. Engage him as you go through that trial. Bring others into it. Let them know what you're going through. Pray together over it. All these things are ways that we let perseverance have its full effect. We lean into the trial. We don't try to back away from it. We don't try to sweep it under the rug, which, let's be honest, in America, we're so good at doing, right? I don't need to have, I'm not going to share my hard times and if we were to be honest as followers of Christ in America, some of us, there's this, there's this lie that we can buy that says, I have to have it all together. I can't go through hard times. If people knew what I was going through, if they knew the struggles in my bank account, if they knew the struggles in that relationship or in that job or the struggles in my depression, they would think less of me. I'd be a lesser Christian. And James reminds us, count it all joy when you go through these things because God has a purpose in them. You are not a lesser Christian. God is not disappointed in you that you're going through hard times. In fact, he says, I am there with you in these hard times. Count it all joy. When you go through a hard time, it's almost as if God hands you a label maker. And he says, it's your choice what you are going to label this experience as. It's your choice what, how you are going to count it, how you're going to consider it, how you are going to view it. And so as you think about that trial, that struggle, that hard time that you are going through, how are you going to label it? Count it all joy, my brothers, meet trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let it have its full effect. Let it finish its work that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Again, God wants to use this in your life. Mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Have you ever flown in an airplane before? 
and you get the window seat. I love the window seat. I'm all about the window seat. And, and because I'm married, I let my wife have the window seat when we fly together, and I usually take the, the middle seat because you know that's just what we do, husbands, right? We let our wives have the, the best seat on the airplane. But when I fly by myself, whenever that happens, I love the window seat. I love looking out and just seeing the view. And you think about when you take off, and as you continue to go, 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 30,000 feet plus up in the air, what do things look like when you look down on them? Small. You see the big picture. You see the full perspective when you look down. As followers of Jesus, the things that you and I go through are real. They are hard. They are tough. They are challenging. But when we take that 30,000-foot view, when we see the full effect, when we see the end result, it's like seeing from 30,000 feet. God sometimes calls us to not just look at it right in front of us, taking the one centimeter view, centimeter view but taking the 30,000-foot view. God, what are you up to in this? Where are you at work in this? What do you want to do in me through this? We zoom out. So how do we face the hard stuff of life? Number one, we see the big picture. How else do we face the hard stuff of life? Well, point number two, we talk with God. We talk with God. He cares about what you are going through. We talk with God. James is going to say this in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Oh, I love that. Without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So James is telling us, hey, as you're going through these trials and these struggles and these issues, you're going to need wisdom. You're going to need to figure out how to, how to do this. And what is wisdom? It's really going about things in a way that is God-honoring, God-glorifying, that puts him first. It's making life work with him at the center. And when you're going through that hard time, boy, do you need wisdom, don't you? And if you lack wisdom, James says, hey, ask God. And what does he do? He gives generously. God is a generous father. When your kid has a need, what do you want to do? You want to help. You want to give. You want to provide for them. As a father of a two-month-old, along with not getting enough sleep and not pronouncing words right, as you can see, another thing is I want to just give to him. I want to help him out, right? I want to make sure that he's fed and clothed and nourished, has a roof over his head and is loved, and I want to be generous to him. Boy, how much more so your heavenly father. He is generous. He gives generously to you without finding fault when you ask for wisdom. God is not standing up there when you say, Lord, give me wisdom in this hard time. And he says, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? What are you, what are you thinking? No, he's generous. You have a heavenly father who is so approachable. And he says, it will be given to you. That's a promise. You ask God for wisdom. How, God, how do I figure out how to make this work in a way that's God-honoring, God-glorifying? 
And he promises he's going he's to let you know. But verse 6 is so interesting. And can I be honest? It convicts me so much. And I'll tell you why in a second. Verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So let's go back to that verse 6 and 7 slide there. When you ask, you must believe. So James is this master, just, just illustrator. All throughout James, you're going to see these amazing word pictures. And really, we get our first one here. He likens somebody who says, hey, God, give me wisdom, and then turns back around and says, oh, man, I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm controlling, I'm concerned. He says, that person, when they go back and forth, back and forth, you're like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So you imagine a wave in the middle of the ocean, and it's just blowing back and forth, aimless, no purpose, can't focus. This is what James is talking about. And let's be clear, it's not God saying, well, I'm not going to give you wisdom now. It's the natural consequence. How can we receive wisdom? How can we receive the understanding and the ability to live out our struggle in a way that glorifies and honors God when we say, God, give me wisdom. Wait, actually, no, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be worried. No, 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 God, give me wisdom. I I trust in you. No, 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 I'm going to be worried. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to figure it out. How can he give you wisdom in that. There's an important quote that I want to share here too in a, in a couple slides. We can bring that up. This is by this guy. His name is Doug Moo. And he says this, that God, there we go. James is not then here claiming that prayers will never be answered where any degree of doubt exists. For some degree of doubt on at least some occasions is probably inevitable in our present state of weakness. Rather, he wants us to understand that God responds to us only when our lives reflect a basic consistency of purpose and intent, a spiritual integrity. A basic consistency of purpose and intent. See, here's the deal when it comes to wisdom and asking God for stuff. It's okay to doubt Doubting happens. In the midst of hard times, you're not going to be batting a thousand, are you? And God is that gracious and generous and loving Father. He wants to give you wisdom. Later on in James, he's going to reference Abraham. Abraham who had plenty of doubts in his time, but God still gave him wisdom. So as you're going through this hard time, this struggle, whatever it may be, know this, that God wants to give it to you, that wisdom. What he's asking for is that basic consistency of purpose and intent. How do we respond when life is hard? We talk with God. How else do we respond when life is hard? We keep going with the finish line in mind. There's a finish line 
and it's going to be oh so sweet. Keep going with the finish line in mind. Verse 9, James says this, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Here's another great illustration by James. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. So James is creating this word picture again for us. And he's talking about those who are, who are low, who don't have much to take pride in their humble, cir- in the, in their humble circumstances because they will be glorified and the rich to take pride in their humiliation because the riches won't last. He creates this imagery of a hot day, the hot, scorching sun coming up. We, we know nothing about that as Arizonians, right? The hot, scorching sun. It's coming. It's coming, right? And so James creates this picture of the sun rises, and it, and it withers this grass. Its beauty fades. Its flower falls. And it says that's what it's like being the rich person going after riches. They'll fade away in the midst of their pursuits. Now, some people think that this rich person that James is talking about, is they're not sure if it's a believer, if it's not a believer, but the, the way I read it, he's really talking to believers, both who don't have much and who have much. And James is saying, hey, the point here is that you need to follow after God first and foremost. A source of many of our trials and tribulations can have to do with money. And James is saying, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, remember the end. Remember where your identity lies. Those who don't have much take pride in the fact that we're going to be glorified. You're going to be raised up. Those who do have much take pride in the fact that, hey, it's not about your money anyways. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. That Jesus is coming back. So its blossom falls, its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. So money can be a threat to that single-minded devotion that we were talking about earlier, the wave going back and forth, back and forth. And Jesus says, hey, James says, no matter where you are at, make it about the Lord. Make it about Jesus Christ, single-minded devotion on him during these hard times. And then we get to verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. This is it. There is a finish line for us. Whether you have much or have little, no matter what trial or struggle you are going through, there is a finish line at the end for you. It says, blessed, blessed in the sense of, oh, how happy. When we are blessed, just like in the Beatitudes, it's this deep-seated, deep-rooted joy. And you and I are blessed when we remain steadfast. There's that word steadfast again, that ability to keep going, to keep pushing when life is hard and when life is tough. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. Why? Because when he has stood the test. He's going to receive that crown of life. 
Now, we talk about a crown of life. It's not necessarily this big gold crown that we imagine. First century AD, Middle East there, it would be more kind of like this, this wreath, this laurel wreath um, that they would get at the end of races, and the winner would be awarded this wreath. James is saying when you cross the finish line, you get that crown. You get the crown of life. He's saying it's worth it. It's worth pushing. It's worth going. It's worth standing up under trial because of what is to come. We keep going with the finish line in mind. You think about a runner, right? Like at the Boston Marathon. D- did you see me, by the way? And that wasn't supposed to be, a, that, was that funny? That was a, <laughs> yeah, I'm not in it, just kidding. But you think about a runner who's running the race and they keep going, they keep pushing. And you imagine that feeling. Maybe you are a marathon runner. I know a couple of you out there who are. God bless you. And you get to the finish line, and it's the best feeling in the world. I ran cross country in high school, and I am, I am proud to say that we won three state championships when I was on the team. I was junior varsity, which means I didn't contribute a thing. <laughs> But I remember the feeling of running those 5Ks, a lot less than a marathon. And I remember that feeling at the end, that last, like, gosh, 400, 800 meters, and you're just pushing. And you're passing those, I'm passing those other JV guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling good. And there's nothing like that feeling of sprinting towards the finish line with all that you have left, every bit inside of you, and crossing that line. It is such a great feeling. This is what God has for you. This is what we talked about last week in Revelation, that there is a finish line. There is an end. You will pass this race. Because we already know the end of the story, don't we? And when you have stood the test, you will receive that crown of life that God has promised to you. Now, is that crown for the future or is it for now? Well, you can kind of go back and forth to that, honestly. Yes, <laughs> Because life and life abundantly is for you now. Jesus said, I have come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. And yet we see in Revelation that that life, that true life is fulfilled then and we experience it to the fullest in the most extent what God created when we see the marriage supper of the Lamb and we spend eternity with God and there will be no more pain, there will be no more tears, we will be with God forever. That is ultimate life. That is what we're about. So, what are you going through today? What is that hard time that you are experiencing? God wants to use the hard stuff in your life. And I want to invite you now to do something if you're comfortable. You don't have to if you're not, but I want to invite you to do something if you're comfortable. Put your hands out like this. And as we do this, here's what we're saying to God. We're saying, God, I give this to you. Whatever that is in your life, whatever that trial is, whatever that hard stuff is, the wayward child who just hasn't come back that you're agonizing over, the the trials and struggles in your marriage that you just don't know how you're going to get through and that you just can't figure out, the issues in your finances where you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, how this next month is going to work. 
that friend who stabbed you in the back and the hurt and the pain that you experience. What that doctor told you the other day in the office that you never thought would have come to you and how your days are very much numbered. So in this moment, I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to invite you to pray in your heart with me. God, we give this to you. I thank you for my friends here, and you know what they are going through. You know the trial, the struggle, the hardship. I thank you that you're right there with them. We give that hurt, that pain, whatever it is, and I ask God that you would help us to let this have its full effect. God, I thank you that you waste nothing. Would you not waste this in our life? Would you use it for your glory, for our good? We open our palms out to you as a way of saying we surrender this to you, that we, are, we, we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need you. We give this to you. We thank you, God, for that crown of life. We thank you, God, that you're here with us in the hard times. We thank you, Lord, that you waste nothing. We open-handedly give this to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Johnny Erickson Tata is now 55-plus years in a wheelchair. She's impacted millions around the globe. And through it all, she has rested in God and leaned into him. How has she done it? Three things. May we do the same. She's seen the big picture. Talking with God and keep going with the finish line in mind. May you this week continue to live your life open-handedly before God, and would you let him have his full effect in you? He wastes nothing. Lord God, we love you. We worship you. We magnify you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we continue to say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, you have changed our lives. You've brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light. So we love you, we worship you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you that you waste nothing. It's in your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. Hey guys, hope you have a great rest of your morning. We have prayer for you on your left. If you need to share anything about what we've talked about this morning, you need someone to pray for you, go over there. They're ready for you. If you're new here, don't forget to fill out your Connect card and go out to our information center. We'd love to meet you and greet you. You guys have a great rest of your day.